Welcome back to Avatar the Podcast. We are continuing our comic adventure through Smoke and Shadow, and we are your hosts to take you on this smoky journey. I am Acorn Bandit, and this here is Booster Greg. I think you mean shadowy journey. Okay, fine. Both. (laughs) It's smoky and shadowy. Agreed. But before we jump into today's summary, we do have some more reviews to go over. Yes. The first one comes from Preposterous Sprague or Prepostero Sprague. I can't tell. Preposterous Prague. One of the above. Yes, one of the above. And they write, don't have any complaints. I finished my other podcast and was waiting to find something else to listen to. I thought of Avatar and wondered if there were any podcasts about them. I searched on Spotify and this podcast was one of the first ones to pop up. I listened to this on the way to work and back and was hooked. Little disappointed Spotify didn't have the very first episodes, but oh well. I wanted to write this review once I finished your latest episodes so I can say with confidence that your podcast operates. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Like a well-oiled machine. It is indeed amazing and top tier. I am enjoying the coverage on the comics and I have to start reading them for myself. Yes, you do. I finished The Promise and can't wait to see for myself the illustrations and literature. I am more excited for your coverage in Korra, the catastrophic events (laughs) that take place in the series was a lot to sock up. Oh my God. I love this so much. I've never been more proud. (laughs) Can't wait to hear your input on The Legend of Korra. Keep doing what you're doing. It's working. And a lot of people love it. Oh my God. Thank thank you you so much. I love the fact that you just stumbled across our podcast. We've heard that a lot. And we're so happy that everyone loves what they stumbled across and are enjoying this little like revisiting this little journey that we're going over. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I did want to touch on one quick little point where we did have a point and it seems to be happening off and on where some of the older episodes aren't showing up on the podcast feeds. We have kind of a remedy for it right now. All of the older episodes, if you didn't know, are uploaded on our YouTube page. So you can go ahead and go over to there, youtube.com slash avatar the podcast. And we got little motion graphics for you. If you wanted to kind of watch those while you're listening to everything or just put on the background like you would a normal podcast. We have you covered just in case some of the older episodes don't show up for you. They're all on there. We actually have to upload the last three or four for book three. And then we got to work on the comics, but all the older ones are there. So go there, listen, please. And then, you know, subscribe or follow or whatever the YouTube literature, <laughs> literature whatever the YouTube lingo is. Right. We'd right. Appreciate what it. is that? Uh, smash that follow. Smash the follow. The subscribe, like, comment, subscribe. There, and then yeah. the, there's a Taco Bell in there somewhere. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Ring the bell, something Ring like that. Something like that. Well, yeah. anyways, do all, all those all things. All those things. We super appreciate it. And I appreciate how much thought and effort and how many puns were in this review. So, yes. Preposterous Prague or Prepostero Sprague. Or Preposterous Prague. I'm going to call you Prep because I think we're yeah. on a first name basis at this point now. We're just cool there like that. Go. Prep, thank you so much for leaving a five star review. We appreciate it. Yeah. Our next review comes from Bowties Are Cool, which I know that reference. That is my favorite doctor. Thank you very much. Who writes, best Avatar podcast out there. And they simply write after that, love the hosts and the puns. Well, thank you. Short and sweet. 
I love it. I love everything about that review, including the username. So thank you so much for taking the time. Acorn, if you love short reviews, (laughs) do I have the review for you? Well, I love all reviews, but let's hear it. Me too. This one goes out to everyone who enjoys the shorter ones and people who don't mince words, people who (laughs) get right to the point and say exactly what they mean. And they don't use any filler words or terms or anything like that, which is what I was actually doing right there. Explain the (laughs) joke to you 48% funnier. (laughs) This comes from your podcast. And they write, podcast, love. There you go. Here we go. Here we go. I'm not great with like English in general or fancy things, but I feel like this is close to being a haiku. (laughs) Your podcast, podcast is love. Yeah. Yeah. It's missing just like one (laughs) syllable. I feel like to be a haiku or something. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a poet. Yeah, I'll have to send that over to Sokka and see how he feels about that. Oh, God, don't remind me of that. That's my least favorite Sokka thing (laughs) in the world. Uh, Well, your podcast, thank you so much for leaving that review. We super appreciate it. It doesn't matter how much or how little you write. The fact that you took the time to do it just means the world to us. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And our last review for today comes from Warrior Cats and ATLA. I also know what Warrior Cats is. That is a very popular book series, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know what it is. Oh, it is. It is a book series. That's yeah. why. I don't yeah. read that much. I knew that from my times working as a bookstore employee. Hey. It's a very popular series. Huh. But Warrior Cats and ATLA writes, I love this podcast. I listen to it 24-7, and I've already done a couple rewatches before listening to this podcast. And I honestly think you guys make watching the show so much more enjoyable and thought out. I love all of your opinions and new ideas about not only what's going on, but what you think is going on. I also love all your little puns, jokes, and news about the Avatar universe. I haven't quite caught up with the podcast quite yet, but from what I have listened to, I plan to catch up quite soon. I love everything to do with this podcast and can't wait to see what comes next. I don't even know what to say about this one. Oh, it's so nice. Thank you. It's so nice. I'm like blushing a little bit. (laughs) You are a little flushed. A little flushed. A little pleased. Yeah. Well, you know, we talk about this a lot. We put so much time and effort into it. And whenever anyone's just like, hey, all that things you're doing. And everyone is saying this. It's not just Warrior Cats and and Atla, right? It's it's everyone. It just makes makes us feel good. And we super appreciate it. And we appreciate that you're all acknowledging what goes into the show and that you're looking forward to the other episodes. Yeah. And honestly, we've talked about this in the past, but it's literally just me and Greg across Discord call, Mm -hmm. recording our voices into a microphone. And that's it. So if you all did not leave your reviews, it would feel just like this little thing that Greg and I do on the weekly, you know? You're what makes it real. You're what makes it feel appreciated. And so we love when you take that time to let us know. Yes. Thank you, everyone, so much for leaving all the reviews. Like, I just can't say it enough. So I'm going to say it one more time. Thank you for leaving your reviews. (laughs) Yep. Also, thank you for all the puns. Well, I have one job on this podcast and I'm going to do it. (laughs) And that's to disseminate the pun. Yes. (laughs) And pick up voice actors every once in a while, which has left me jobless in the the comic book episodes. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I've missed your voice acting commentary. I can't wait. Here's a quick side note. Not avatar related and i know we got a running clock here but i want to bring it up spectacular spider-man's on netflix on the u.s side everyone and you should all go watch it immediately i already messaged acorn about it it's only 28 episodes the voice acting pedigree in that show is amazing if i can just like entice you a little bit gray griffin does a voice in it so go okay cool 
please. So what you're saying is, is it's amazing and top tier. It's spectacular, I would say. There you go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I've been using that way too much. I got to stop doing it. But we didn't get paid to say that or anything. I'm just super passionate about it. I love it. And you all know how much I love voice acting and good voice acting. Please go watch it. Email us at avatarthepodcast at gmail.com. Tweet at us at Podcast Avatar. Leave a five-star written review. Find me on Twitch. Find me on Twitter. Find whatever. And just let me know what you think about it. Okay. I'd say go buy his stream, everyone, on Mondays and Fridays. That's right. At twitch.tv slash boostergreg at 8 p.m. Eastern. Eastern. Yes. 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 Wow. We just said that. And you wow. Said look it. at that. <laughs> We're like synced up for something. There that we is go. the best way to get Greg excited is to drop by it and really gush is. about something Avatar or Marvel related. And anything he DC. will. Yeah. Anything DC. Yeah. And he will freak out. Oh, man. It just makes my heart flutter whenever I see that first time chatter. And they're yeah. like, I'm here from Avatar the podcast. And I'm like, oh. And then I freak out and I don't know what to say. And then I, it's fun. You should watch me <laughs> you have should, a problem with that. You should go make Greg flustered. Exactly. Yes. As I was <laughs> just right there, just thinking about that situation. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But thank you everyone for writing those reviews. We're going to now hop into today's episode, which is Smoke and Shadow Part 2. Or as we like to call it. Where there's smoke, there's Kimura Kage. That's right. We're going to jump back into our story at the Jasmine Dragon, where Aang is finishing a meditation session with the Air Acolytes. He finishes this session by clanging a meditation bowl. Zingying wakes up Jingbo, who still falls asleep during meditation. He apologizes to Aang for this, who encourages him to keep practicing. After thanking Iroh for letting them use the space, he joins Sokka and Katara outside, where all of their things are packed for a trip to the South Pole. The friends talk about what they're most looking forward to. For Katara, it's seeing Hakoda again. For Sokka, it's eating Ashuna's sealed jerky. And for Aang, it's penguin sledding. But before they can leave, a messenger hawk arrives with an urgent message from Zuko saying that the spirits are threatening the Fire Nation. The friends disappointedly go different ways, Katara acknowledging that this kind of thing comes with dating the Avatar. When Aang arrives at the Fire Nation, he's excited to see Mei is already there. He asks if she and Zuko are back together while Zuko tries to introduce him to Mei's new boyfriend, Kylo. Aang awkwardly tries to play off his assumption, but is called out by Mei for trying too hard and making things even more awkward. Zuko then introduces Constable Sung, the one leading the investigation into the kidnapping. Mei explains to Aang that her brother was taken by a mysterious band of dark spirits, ones they believe are the Kamurakage. Constable Sung adds that even though Tom Tom is the only child currently missing, there have been sightings of the spirits all over Capital City. Just then, Ukano bursts into the room, followed by an apologetic guard who tells Zuko he tried to make the man wait. Ukano approaches his daughter and blames her for Tom Tom's abduction, claiming that if they still lived under his roof, then it wouldn't have happened. I think, if I may interject for a moment, Absolutely. I think you stumbled upon a pun. Did I stumble upon a pun without even realizing? An avatar-specific pun. Okay. Whenever Aang explains anything from now on, uh-huh. we're going to call it explaining. Explaining? He's explaining. <laughs> Please explain. He explained. <laughs> we can also call it Aang-splaining whenever he's talking about the spirit world. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Oh, geez. Well, yeah, when it's getting to more of the like, you know, not, I don't want to say toxic because Aang's not toxic, but it's getting to more of that like, you know, I'm the avatar and I know a little bit better than you do. That yep. kind of condescending. He's, he's Aang's Aang's explaining. Explaining. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. 
That's really good. Awesome. Aang interrupts their argument and insists that they need to put their heads together if they want to figure out what to do next. Ukano claims that what needs to happen next is their Fire Lord growing a spine. He claims that the spirit world only acts up when the human world is weak, an assertion that Aang immediately tries to say is incorrect. Okay, why don't you explain that one to us? He's Aang's pointing. <laughs> <laughs> but Ukano does not pay him any attention as he gets in Zuko's face and insists a curfew should be put in place and an elite task force formed to fight the dark spirits. Keeping his cool, Zuko considers Ukano's words. Aang urges his friend to not make any hasty decisions before they have a chance to figure out what exactly is going on. Mei backs him up, and Zuko finally agrees. Ukano is displeased with this and loses his temper, yelling that Zuko is unworthy of the throne and an imposter. Zuko is alarmed to hear this outburst and turns to ask Mei if her father is a member of the new Ozai Society. After that outburst, he could have sworn he recognized her father's voice from a previous attack. But May lies and says that, not that she knows of. When Aang says they need to find out everything they can about the Kamurakage, Zuko suggests somewhere they can check in the palace. Zuko, not only is Zukano a member of the new Ozai Society, he's also a founder. He's also a founding <laughs> father who wants Zuko's father back on the throne. Uh, there could have been a little bit of a gray area from May right there to be like, no, he's not a member. <laughs> yes, she should have said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then she'd be like, well, I didn't lie. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh-huh, yep. And Kylo calls her out on it. He actually hangs back to ask her why she lied about her father. Because he reminds her that Ukano should be arrested for his involvement with the new Ozai society. But May admits that her father was right. If they'd still been living with him, maybe Tom Tom wouldn't have been kidnapped. She tells Kylo that if or when they find Tom Tom again, May will need her father's help to take care of him, and he won't be able to do that from prison. With this, she leaves the room and joins the others. Tom Tom's just going to get kidnapped. You can't stop Tom Tom from getting kidnapped. You can't stop a cow from mooing. Can't stop Tom Tom <laughs> from getting kidnapped. Not possible. This is, this is like what the second time he's been kidnapped. Yeah. Yep. It's going to yep. happen it's again. I feel his like destiny. We only know of two times, by the way. There exactly. could be more. It could absolutely be more. <laughs> Elsewhere in the halls, Ukano pleads with Constable Sung as he's being escorted from the palace. He claims they don't have time to wait for Zuko to find his courage. They must act now. The dark spirits will only continue to kidnap children as long as a coward like Zuko is on the throne. As he is led away, he warns the constable to keep a close eye on his own child. I was reading this and just getting so surprised that no one's like arresting him. And locking him up for basically undermining the throne and suggesting all these things about like Zuko being a coward and not doing anything, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I feel like he would get in trouble for that or should. Yes and no. Mostly for me personally, the no, because that would be something that Ozai would do. And I think Zuko is trying to like separate himself a bit. Like even if he is stern with Ukano and anyone who's just like, you shouldn't be like, he, he's not like a jerk, but he, you know, stands up for himself as mm-hmm. well. He should. Right. But he's not trying to be his father. He's trying to find ways to differentiate himself from his father's reign. And people are like pulling out excuses out of thin air being like, we talked about that. I feel like last episode where people are like, you're just like your father. And he's like, well, I yeah. sneezed. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Exactly. I drink my tea. That's how he drinks his tea. (laughs) Yep. We saw in the previous scene, too, he was being as fair as possible. He Mm -hmm. was listening to 
the suggestions that were made and listening to his friends' advice and opinions and then really trying to make a measured decision. So I think you're right. I think he is trying to be more fair and maybe being more lenient as a result of that. Yeah, and that's not really working out in his favor. It's a lose-lose situation for Zuko right now. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. But one thing's for sure, that is pretty ominous. The thing that Ukano said about, well, if you're not going to do anything, keep an eye on your child because he could go missing. (laughs) He did that. And then I don't remember exactly what happens with the panel, but I feel like it zoomed in on his shifty eyes. And I was like, what are you up to? (laughs) You're up to something. What's going on here, shifty Ukano? Going on in that head of yours. Yeah. Shift Kano. Come on to you. (laughs) Well, you're not the only one because as he is being led down the hall, Ursa, Norn, and Kiyi see them. He asks her father what the grumpy man was talking about. And Ursa tries to comfort her daughter by saying there's nothing to worry about while they're staying in the palace. It's one of the safest places to be. But he pulls away from her, shouting that she was talking to her daddy and to get away with her freezing hands. Looking pained and helpless, Norn leads a hiding key away to bed. Just like we talked about in the last episode, it is so sad to see this interaction between Ursa and Key. It can't be helped because Key is looking at this woman who doesn't have her mother's face and is feeling her cold hands and Ursa's freaking out about being back at the palace. And so she's just flat out rejecting her. She's like, no, I don't know you. Stop touching me. I want my dad. Yeah. But it still hurts to look at it and be to acknowledge the kinds of pain, emotional pain that Ursa must be feeling. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And this is no walk in the park. I I feel like she doesn't want to be here right now. She's doing it because she knows she has to and it's going to be, I feel better for her, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean she wants to. And I think she also wants to make Zuko happy and this would make him very happy as well. And she's trying to make up for lost time and there's a multitude of reasons, but ultimately I feel like she doesn't want to be here. And that's fine. That's completely okay. Mm -hmm. It's just one more thing for her to have to worry about. Yeah, absolutely. And I respect the heck out of her for it. Yeah. Absolutely. Like she's really being a mother first and almost to not almost, I would say, in fact, to a detriment to herself Mm -hmm. at this point. So, yeah, yeah, it's just sad. I do feel absolutely terrible. And like, this is like a little personal story really quickly for everyone. My daughter can answer yes or no questions now. So one day I was just like, oh, do you love me? And she shook her head. No. (gasps) Oh. No. And I died. Oh, no. And I I was just like, well, I love you anyways. And I kissed her forehead and I put her in her crib. And then I cried myself to sleep. I didn't cry myself to sleep. (laughs) I was very sad. But like, she's young. She doesn't know she's saying stuff like that. Much like he in in this situation, right? Like, she can't really understand what's going on. She kind of knows that Ursa is her mother, but she doesn't know. And like, there's all these things happening. And Ursa's having this physiological reaction to being in the palace that she's never had before. And like, it's all just so much to handle. And I am Mm -hmm. shocked that Ursa has not imploded emotionally. (laughs) I know, like emotionally fractured into many pieces. I know. Jeez. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think um, he not being able to process what's happening or to understand what's happening is just now uncomfortable. And it's like, no, I don't want that. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. But elsewhere in the capital, Aang, Zuko, Mei, and Kylo arrive at the Fire Sage Temple. When Kylo asks Mei if she's ever been there before, it's revealed that she and Zuko had actually come here once on a romantic date. Ooh. Yeah. 
And when Aang finds this out, he tries to smooth over the awkward moment with more babbling like he did before. Solid. <laughs> Solid Aang move. <laughs> Once they enter the gates, they see a familiar face. <gasps> Fire Sage Shayu. Shayu, our friend. <laughs> I mean, Shayu. I mean, Shayu got a promotion. <laughs> I'm so proud of you, my man. Right? Fire Sage Shayu is now the great sage, and he welcomes the group to the temple. Zuko tells Shayu that they need to go to the Dragonbone Catacombs, and the man dutifully goes to open the fire passage. It wasn't lost on me that the last time we saw him was during the Fee Solstice, and he was the That's only right. fire sage that helped them get into a forbidden area of the temple. And now yeah. here he is again, helping them get into a forbidden area of the temple here. Well, I mean, when you're good at something, you're good at something. Am I right? <laughs> He's consistent. Yeah. That's for sure. But while he's opening this passage for them, he does complain to Aang that the Fire Lord only comes to the temple for everything but his meditation classes. He's a little butthurt about it. He's like, Zuko comes here for information and for this and that, but not my meditation classes. <laughs> <laughs> it's always where shy you and never how's shy you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Essentially. Poor guy. Using fire bending, Shayu opens a hidden staircase under an ornate emblem on the floor, and the group treks down into the darkness. Now, I do want to point out at this point, they're doing this back and forth about the romantic date and blah, blah, blah. And um, Yang actually specifically looked for what he calls a cute saccharine name for May and Kylo to call each other. And that's how he settled on Babe. Also specifically because it's so out of character for May to say. Yeah. And I just love that little interaction where May's like, Babe, and Kylo's like, Babe. And then Aang's like, huh? He's and like, Zuko's babe. like, you're you're not one to talk. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Sweetie. Zuko's like, I don't want to hear from you, pal. Yeah. <laughs> you you're just people. as bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Elsewhere in the Fire Nation, Sung and his wife have dinner in their home. When his wife notices him not paying attention to their conversation, she asks Sung what's wrong. He begins to tell her about Ukano's situation, but stops and reminds her that he doesn't like bringing his work home with him. Just then, he hears footsteps coming from the direction of their son's room. He rushes to the door and sees smoke seeping out from under it. He kicks the door down and finds the Kamurakage standing within with his son in their arms. Both he and his wife brandish knives and face the intruders and demand they give back their son, Guri. When they engage, they're quickly disoriented by the smoke and flying objects that knock them off balance. When the smoke finally clears, the Kamurakage and Guri are gone. Remember last episode, I was like, wouldn't it be neat if we were presented with spirits as spirits and they ended up not being spirits? Uh-huh. I couldn't ditch that feeling as I was reading this part. Really? Do you know why? Do I know why? Yeah, why you had that feeling? It's because I'm a genius and I know <laughs> all these things. No, it's probably because Yang is leaving breadcrumbs for us to follow and I'm picking uh -huh. up on them. I'd like to think I picked up the, this idea a little earlier. Like this scene right here sold it for me that these are not spirits. I don't know what it is about this scene. I just kind of looked at them and you can never really see their feet because it's always just covered in smoke, which I think mm -hmm. is interesting. And the fact that they're now showing up after he was threatened by Okano. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when we were presented with the dynamic with 
Okano and the Kamurakage. It was the Kamurakage are kind of like his bosses in a way. And they're like, mm. you better do this or shame on your house and we'll kidnap everyone and you'll regret it. But now it seems like Okano kind of has like a hand a in the play. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, not a part to play, but like it seems like he's telling them what to do by kidnapping mm-hmm. this new kid now. I don't know. It's just like it just felt all very like non spirity. Right. Yeah, your Greg sense was tingling at this point. It was point. tingling. And it feels less spectacular than actual spirits when they interact with people based on what we've seen so far in Avatar in, right. in this universe. Like thinking of back to the mother of faces, like Mother of Faces, where this huge display, Hey Bai, where he like literally transformed into a completely different spirit. It just felt a lot more grandiose than like these little shadow people. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're going to hold on to that little theory mm-hmm. and uh, just stick that in our pocket for now. Oh, I will. Don't <laughs> think I'll forget about it because I won't. Uh-huh. <laughs> Back in the Dragonbone Catacombs, Zuko explains that the Fire Lords of the past are buried there. And the mural that runs the length of the wall illustrates the history of the Fire Nation and its myths and legends. Except part of the catacombs are blocked. Fire Lord Sozin order the corridor be sealed for his access only. Aang notices the locking mechanism in the mouths of the dragons is similar to the one from Crescent Island Fire Temple, also back when they first met Shayu. He and Zuko attempt to open the door by using firebending, but the firebending doesn't work, even after multiple tries. And the group begins wondering what it will take to open the door. Kylo has been inspecting the dragon heads from behind them and asks Mei for some of her throwing knives. He tells the others that while they've been trying to open the door through the dragon's mouths, that is not where the locking mechanism is. He instructs Mei to insert two throwing knives into the nostrils of the other dragons on the door, and he does the same to the rest. They turn the knives at the exact same time, and a click is followed by the rumbling of the doors opening. Aang excitedly goes inside with a flame to light the way and reports that the mural does continue. Off to the side, Mei flirtatiously asks Kylo if he has any other criminal talents she should be aware of, and he tells her to stick around to find out. <laughs> we have not made it a secret that we are May Zuko shippers, that yes. we really enjoy them. And mm-hmm. I like to think that all the other May Zuko shippers out there kind of like uniformly gagged at that moment, going like, May, come on. I kind of like Kylo, though. I know you do. I know. I, I kind of like him right. too. He's treating her well. I, I feel bad because she does not like him as much as he likes her. Yeah, we're going to find that out in a little bit. Yeah. But he, strangely, and this is why I think she and Zuko are meant to be together. He is like an angstless Zuko. He's like if Zuko grew up in a nice home, not a royal home, but just like a nice regular person home. And he has like kind of like the look, the vibe, mm-hmm. just without the angst and the emo qualities. So I, I think that's why she likes him. Yes, I agree. I think he is like the midpoint between like if you had a scale from Sokka to Zuko, Kylo is <laughs> right in the middle. I feel like maybe leaning very, closer very towards Zuko, but like he's mm-hmm. right there. He's you're right. He doesn't really have any angst. He's troubled. But we talked about this again last episode. Always seems to make the right decisions instead of the wrong decisions. Even when he finds himself in a bad scenario, he just knows how to get himself out of it. Mm-hmm. without yelling at anyone. <laughs> yeah. What a he concept. He is very street smart. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. At this point, we cut over to the palace where Suki is patrolling the grounds with a lantern. Tai Lee runs up to her and reports the additional sightings of the dark spirits and the occurrence of more kidnappings. 
When she insists they should do something, Suki tells her they should wait until Zuko and Aang get back. Kylie worries aloud that more children will go missing if they do. Neither of them are aware that Ursa hears them from the floor above. Suddenly terrified for the safety of her own child, Ursa rushes to find Kiyi. She finds Norin, who tells his wife that Kiyi is sleeping in the other room. Ursa rushes inside and finds her daughter sleeping peacefully in her bed. Relieved, Ursa embraces her. She would overhear a conversation that validates her worst nightmare. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. She would. Like, it would be that kind of timing. Yeah. She's just like, oh, I'll just go out in the patio, have a nice cup of tea, enjoy the evening. There's a nice breeze. Meanwhile, hey, all the children are getting snatched up. I don't know why the Kyoshi Warriors <laughs> sound like that to me, but they do. And she's like, ah, <laughs> immediately runs to her daughter's room and snuggles her with her ice cold hands. Right. Oh, God, poor Key. Yeah. Also, props to the art team because yes. she, that is like such a look of pure, raw terror on her face. Yeah, they did a really good job. I feel like a lot of this book, a lot of the facial expressions, like they really stepped up their game for it. I was very mm -hmm. impressed. Yeah, a lot smoother than the first issue, I think. I think they're yeah. really kind of getting back in the groove of drawing these characters. Agreed, yeah. Yeah. Across the city, Ukano is woken by Constable Sung. The worried father tells the man about the Kumurakage and the rash of kidnappings that is sweeping the city. Sung tells Ukano that he was right, and they do have to do something. When Sung went to the palace looking for the Fire Lord, he was nowhere to be found. Sung asserts that they can't wait for the Fire Lord. They must act now, essentially repeating Ukano's words. Ukano smiles victoriously and tells the constable that he knows exactly what they should do. All according to plan. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> they like they do a close-up of his eyes and like of his face, and he's got this smirk, and it's just like that evil like underlighting that he's got going on. He's like, Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Ukano, I hate you so much. I know. And Sung is playing right into his hand. Every nice thing I said about Ukano in the first part, I take back. Yeah. Immediately. Accurate. Yeah. Also, that time when Tom Tom was kidnapped the first time and he was a super worried dad and we were like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. I take that back. Take it all back. You're yeah. terrible. I feel like the handling of Ukano in this part was just not consistent with his character. I feel like it mm -hmm. took a turn very quickly for me and that would probably happen in real life if your kid's missing again and you need to save your family and you need to like do all these things or these boogeymen are going to like do something terrible or mm -hmm. lead you to some drastic actions. But I just feel like it was like, I just was rooting for you, pal. And you let me down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're really playing into the worried parent trope. The one where yeah. a parent who's missing their kid will do absolutely anything to get them back, including undermine the leader of their country's decision-making and just go off and make decisions on your own with the head constable. Yes. Yeah. I, I really do think so. Yang also was cited as wanting to build upon Ukana's character in this comic arc and explore his cowardliness specifically. But this doesn't seem cowardly to me. That's why I think it's a thinker because, well, okay, I, I will say this. By the end of the issue, I think we're going to see a little bit more about his cowardliness. Fair. But when he is in a position where he feels like he has control, including this one where he is playing puppet master with Sung. Mm-hmm. I think that is where he feels more confident. And I kind of relate that back to him being the, what, what was it? The mayor, 
for the leader of New Ozai back yeah. when he was in that position. I felt like he was a lot more confident back then too. But when he's not in control, when he doesn't have power, he really is kind of yellow bellied. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm just disappointed. That's all. I know. That's all. I'm I'm so sorry, everyone. I'm this is one I'll get over. This this isn't like a whole prayer beads. Where the heck do they come from? Why are they so important now? Thing which I can't get over ever. No matter how hard I try, no matter who explains it to me, I'm just not gonna get over it. And it's fine. We're moving on. We've accepted that. This I can I can get over very easily. It's just a bummer. That's yeah. all. He's good when everything's great, and he's just not great in a panic. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's I mean that's pretty accurate for. For some personalities, some people are really like that. Yeah, for sure. Back in the Dragonbone catacombs, the group of friends continue down the hall studying the murals. Zuko tells them that the Fire Nation history is taught with Sozin's reign as the beginning. But the mural obviously shows previous rulers, one of which Zuko assumes is the first Fire Lord who united the Fire Islands. Kylo calls from a few feet away where the mural depicts dark, towering figures that look just like the Kamira Kage. May finds a scroll sitting in a nearby resting place and asks Aang for a light. Zuko comes to her aid in the two share a fond look when he ignites a flame in front of her. She begins to read and the scroll tells a story of the time when the warlords ruled the Fire Islands. He ignites a flame next to her and they share a look. Thank you very Uh much. Uh Uh-huh, they do. And then they read about boring history. I thought the history was pretty no, I, interesting. I'm, I'm being facetious. I think it it's is very like going into a history lesson, like during this yeah. emotional moment that they share. It's just like the camera. This is how I, I would have envisioned it if it was animated. The camera slowly pans in, uh-huh. and they, they give each other the looks, and the violins start in, and yep. then battlefield, feudal Japan, not Japan, but feudal <laughs> Fire Nation. Right. Yep. Yep. It's that kind of moment. Also with like the firelight illuminating their faces as they yeah. like, cuddle oh, close together. So romantic. So romantic. Meaningful. There are still feelings there. And then and Kylo's just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the guy <laughs> yeah. from Omashu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of coughing at a joke, he's oh talking God. about an awkward emotional moment. What if that's like his uncle? <laughs> I hope so. That'd be so good. <laughs> okay. Head cannon. Yes. Established. Yep. Mm-hmm. That is his uncle. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, we are going to jump into feudal Fire Lord time. We find out from the scroll that back in that time, the warlords fought each other for territory, with the common folk often caught between their conflicts. While all the warlords were cruel and ruthless, one in particular was the worst. Pause. He demanded annual tributes from the tribes in his territory. And one year, when a tribe refused to offer tribute, they were punished. Taz ordered all of the children from that village kidnapped. The children were sadly never seen again, and their mothers all died from sadness. At this point in the reading, Aang speaks up, wondering aloud where his past self had been during this time. And Zuko responds that maybe this was a time before the Avatar. Tell me you're a part of Zuko Ozai's bloodline without telling me you're part of that royal bloodline. I'll go first. Taz, name contains a Z. One person doesn't like the gist of some person's response to him. (laughs) What does he do? Kidnap all the children. That'll teach him a lesson. Yep. What? Terrible. It's a miracle that Zuko and Iroh came out of this bloodline. Oh my God, I know, right? (laughs) And we know that one of Zuko's grandparents is Roku, but Iroh... Miracle. Yeah. Full-blown miracle. Jeez. Yep. (laughs) 
I don't know. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. That was just like, I was reading this and I was just like, wow, this is just not a great bloodline. Yeah. And what's interesting, I don't know if all of the warlords were like related to the different groups in the Fire Nation. We do see in a little bit that there is a first Fire Lord that unites everyone. So I don't know if the bloodlines are going to be related to just that first Fire Lord or if there's also going to be like the warlords who were in charge at the time. For me, like this seemed very Ozai, Azulon, Sozin, like this guy. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're seeing a great, 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 great grandparent or something. That's what I'm thinking. Because you're right. We do see the quote unquote new Fire Lord, I guess you would call him, right? Like this Mm -hmm. guy would be old Fire Lord. He's not really Fire Lord. He's a warlord, but whatever. And that could also be, and not Taz, but they could be that guy. But I have a feeling it's this guy. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling this guy put the moves on that guy's wife or something and didn't <laughs> tell. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It just, it's just a gut feeling that I have. Yeah, I know what you mean. We see all the signs there. Mm-hmm. Well, May continues reading. And we find out that soon after the mothers of the missing children died, dark spirits began to haunt Taz and his men. Every so often, they would sweep through his camp, and by morning, a child was found to be missing. In the wake of this tragedy, Taz's men abandoned him, and his regime crumbled. Serves him right. Mm-hmm. And, and here's another, it's just, what are you reading that? It, it just dawned on me. The execution of the air nomads. They were doing what the Fire Lord didn't like. What does he do? Kill them all. Same thing here. Mm-hmm. So drastic. Such a like crazy, large gesture just as like a show of strength. Yeah. That's what he did. Yeah. Very King of Egypt. Yes. In the story of Moses. Very uh, Aegon from Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think it was Aegon, right? The Mad King who was like, yep. burn them all. Burn. <laughs> we just have a lot of bloodthirsty tyrants. Yes. In literature. <laughs> yep. A couple cool things about this part, though. As with some of our previous comics, this recounting is drawn in a different style. So it's more sepia, looks more brushed, not quite as much as the other stories about like General Old Iron and that sort of thing, but it does have a different style. And in the one of the panels, there is actually some huts that had doors bearing elaborate swirling patterns. We're going to see those patterns again in the future when we get to Korra, <gasps> specifically in relation to Rava. I don't know who Rava is. Yeah, I know. But we're going to kind of bookmark that in our heads. Yes, we are. Because we're going to see that again. Also, the clothing from this period is kind of referenced to the Ainu, an indigenous group of the Kuril Islands. I hope I'm saying that right. Kuril, Kuril Islands. So again, I love how the team takes inspiration from the real world. We were seeing how Ursa's home village was inspired by, I guess, that like that feudal Hawaiian time and their clothing and their culture. So once again, we see inspiration from the real world. Mm-hmm. I do very much love just the change in palette in this flashback. Mm-hmm. I think it complements the illustrations very well. I would actually love to read an entire flashback comic in this kind of like sepia, but like maybe change to other colors as you kind of go through the book where the emotions change. But having Ooh. just that single color use is very, very pleasing to my eyes. Yeah, I really enjoyed that little flashback story about Avatar Yang Chen. And we got pages and pages and pages of that flashback about her going to the city and finding out about General Old Iron, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I agree. It'd be so nice if they had a story that they could put into comic form with that style and have it be like an origin or a flashback or history from the Avatar world. 
Yeah. I like how the um the lines are a bit rougher in the flashback too, because it's like a mm-hmm. rougher time. It's just a nice little like tip of the hat. And if you not super paying attention, you might miss it. You might be like, oh, that's different, kinda, but not, but is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this the lines are a little sketchier. They didn't put as much not effort, because that sounds negative, but there's there's not as much detail in the ink work. It's very like bold, which is mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. May finishes reading and Aang notices an unusual mist seeping out of the wall where the Kamurakage are depicted. The spirit-like vapor drifts down the corridor in a clear trail and he chases after it in spite of Zuko's warnings of potential danger. Kylo asks if this kind of thing happens a lot and Zuko replies that when it deals with the Avatar, yes, all the time. I'm just going to say this. If Sokka was in this scene... It would have been a fart joke. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. It would have been like, what? I didn't do it. It does kind of come out of the the mural in a thin stream. Yeah. A little bit of puff. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. That actually is kind of sad that we don't have Katara and Sokka with us. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It just, I think this is what adds to that feeling of growing up Mm -hmm. is this separation of the friend group, essentially the core group. Everyone's gone their own ways. Yeah. And especially with... We're starting to branch out into the world, right? Because the gang was planning a trip to the South Pole to see the Southern Water Tribe. And obviously, May is off doing her own thing. And Tylee's with the Kyushu Warriors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone is just kind of all over the place doing their own thing. But I know that it is notated that specifically they wanted to focus on the royal family here. So it was a decision to limit Katara and Sokka's inclusion in the book in order to focus on that dynamic. Which makes sense for sure. Mm-hmm. And especially since, I mean, we haven't read North and South yet, obviously, but I feel like that takes place at the same time as this. So it's like, if that's true, because the rift is taking place at the same time as this. So that would make sense that North and South would have overlapping time as well, which just like, Maybe it's just like my friend group when growing up, because I don't really talk to too many of them anymore. But like, it's just part of growing up. I feel like Mm -hmm. you drift apart from some of your friends and that's how it goes. And I like that they're doing this. They're aging up the characters very slightly with each book, but it's noticeable now. And they're doing these themes of like, we're going on our own adventures separately, but like still kind of in groups. And then I remember parts of the first season of Korra and like, they're not all friends anymore. They're not all like palling around necessarily. So, I mean, obviously, because Korra is the avatar. So obviously we all know what happens to Aang. Yeah, exactly. And that's really a good note to think back on. You know, we've been reading so many comics. And when we first got to the comics, we were commenting about how the kids did seem to be growing up. And we have these awkward romantic interactions between Aang and Katara. And everyone's kind of like gangly and awkward. But now that we're a couple arcs in, I'm seeing so much more adult qualities, I guess, in their characters. So you're right. It is in like little bits and pieces, but it's so believable and so well done. Agreed. On the streets of the capital, Sung and Ukano encounter an old man and his grandson. The men tell the pair about the curfew in effect. The old man questions the curfew and asks, by whose authority? Sung replies, by the authority of necessity. Just as an organized group of firebenders marches down the street, chanting, A strong nation is a safe nation. Sung identifies them as a safe nation society, a volunteer militia working in conjunction with his police force. Ukano adds that the city is under siege by dark spirits and that the old man and his grandson should return home before they are arrested. 
The old man begins to argue, but then they all hear a cry for help. A woman shouts from an open window that her baby has been stolen. When the group looks up, they see dark figures standing on the roof with an eerie mist billowing around them. It's the Kimura Kage. Really quickly, I love that crazy old man with that stupid hat. He's like, <laughs> I know he's authority. <laughs> She's like, uh-huh. it's just funny. Instant visual character. It's like, yeah. oh man, this guy's fun. He's got classic short man syndrome. He's like tiny. He's a teeny tiny man. And he's yelling yep. at the constable, like fearless. And I love it. The second thing, a little bit more serious note, the angry mob here. This book for everyone's chronological reference was about 2015 or 2016. The Omnibus was published in 2021. Mm-hmm. I am getting such current events vibes Specifically, what happened in January. <laughs> yep. I don't want to say anymore, but like I'm getting those kind of vibes like right now. And it like startled me. Uh huh. I know Just what you mean. Seeing it in fiction, like even though it's like I knew it was written and released well before that. It was just startling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, specifically, you're talking about what happened in DC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just had that kind of feel, right? Yeah. Just the, how to put it, it's like the blind, forceful presence of we are here for this thing. And like a repurposed presence as well. Uh-huh. Because this is the new Ozai society. Yeah. And they, what do they call them? Something else. They call it the Strong Nations Society. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, that's sure. like some patriotism mm. gone crazy. Yeah, and this is the last thing I'll say about it because we're not a uh, political. I don't know anything about politics. I'm being honest with you. I got opinions, but they're not super well informed. They got red headbands on too, and I was like, oh. Yeah, historically, that's been used in different ways. Whether it's from like yeah, but you know what outlaws I'm yeah. to Nazis mm-hmm. to other groups. Yeah, yes. having that uniform article of clothing that everyone wears to identify them to others. Yeah, yes, definitely a, a move from history. Yeah, so it was. I was very startled. I don't. I haven't gotten like that kind of like taken aback with any of the comics that we've read. There have been moments I've loved, but never just one where I'm like. Reality in this clashed for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Sheesh. Yeah. Well, you know, so much of the story in Avatar, the Avatar world, has been pulled from history and from real life. That's true. And that's we true. know that history repeats itself. Yeah. We shouldn't be surprised that this is a theme that's coming up because they're not referencing what's happening now. They reference what happened in the past and it's repeating mm-hmm. itself, which is not good. I don't want anyone to get it twisted. It's not good. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> In the catacombs, Zuko, Mei, and Kylo chase Aang, who's chasing the Wisp of Smoke. As they run, Kylo and Mei banter back and forth, and Kylo tells Mei that she's pretty cute when she's pessimistic. When she replies that she's been told that before, Zuko overhears in front of them and frowns. This, of course, is in reference to the kinds of things that Zuko would tell her, including from the headband when he said, she's beautiful when she hates the world. So it's interesting... And again, this is going back to what I was saying about how Kylo is basically a non-angsty Zuko. Mm-hmm. He also enjoys May's pessimistic, moody kind of personality and is complimenting her on it, just like Zuko did. Hmm. Aang chases the wisp of smoke to a dragon statue and is discouraged when it disappears into the dragon's mouth. Working off of a hunch, Kylo brandishes two more throwing daggers and attempts to open it like the dragon door earlier. When he twists the daggers, a click is heard and a hidden door rotates open. Aang begins to descend and calls for Kylo to accompany him in case another door needs opening. 
He hesitantly agrees and glances back at Mei and Zuko before disappearing down the stairs. Mei and Zuko stand in awkward silence, alone for the first time since they broke up. In an attempt to be nice, he asks Mei if the firelight he's bending is bright enough, and she replies that it's fine. The less they can see of each other, the better. He comments that Kylo seems nice, and she agrees. Then Zuko cracks. He tells her that even though it's good to see her happy-ish, he misses her. May explodes, telling him that they had their chance and he broke her heart. Twice. And like a complete moron, she let him. Kylo likes her a lot, possibly more than she likes him, but that's how it has to be for her to prevent herself from getting hurt like that again. Oof. Mm, that didn't feel good. No, and I, ugh, especially when she's saying like, Kylo probably likes me more than I like him. She I'm like, knows I'm it. like, girl. Yeah. <laughs> that's not the basis for a relationship. No. May, please. You can't hurt me. So I'm putting a human meat shield in front of me. <laughs> yeah. I'm with him because he loves me and that's safe. <laughs> oh, it sounds so much worse when you put it that way too i know oh geez yeah it was just like i don't like this exchange it has to happen i understand that from uh -huh. like a story perspective it's a trope that i just hate where it's just like i miss you we're just having an argument i'm an idiot oh man i like him because oh my god it's such like cw teen drama vampire diaries just <laughs> I know All what you over. mean. Yeah. Yeah. I will say Zuko has so much self-control and so much composure. Yes. Throughout this comic. Like up until this moment, he has noticed so many things and just gracefully accepted them and moved on, maybe like frowned to himself or something. And even now when he's telling her the truth, like, I miss you. I'm still not really over what we had. He's still being very contained. So props to Zuko. We have seen him blow up and get yes. hot-headed so much throughout the animated series. This is a huge example of his growth. Yeah, I fully expected him to scream right back at her and have like yeah. the flame <laughs> in his hand just like grow or something. Uh-huh. But no, you're right. He kept his composure. And you think about dumb hairstyle top knot Zuko and like <laughs> you just look at this and you're just like, wow, you've come a long way. Yeah, that's good stuff, buddy. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Aang and Kylo follow the wisp of smoke deeper into the crypt, where it materializes into the form of a Kamurakage. The spirit greets Aang and reveals that the story in the scroll was true. The Kamurakage haunted the warlords of the Fire Islands for centuries, until the first Fire Lord united the Fire Islands and brought an era of peace. The Kamurakage's sadness receded, and they never again stepped foot in the human world. Aang, confused, asks why they return now. Why are they haunting people again? The spirit repeats itself, saying that from the time of the first Fire Lord to this moment, the Kamurakage have not again entered the human world. Dun, dun, dun. And he's like, but I just saw it. And they're like, did I stutter? <laughs> this is like such a Marvel <laughs> reference. This is such a fury moment. It's yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, once again, I will say it again for your simple mind. We are not here. Yeah. This is it. Which also means Greg's theory was correct. I like being right. We're going to take that out of our often. pocket, look at it, and go, we got a winner. Got a winner here. Oh, that feeling I had in my gut paid off. 
new theory about the warlord and the fire lord. Ooh, yes. If the fire lord had a sister, maybe the warlord got with the fire lord's sister. I don't know. I'm the work in progress. Mm-hmm, or or vice versa. Yeah, like maybe the something. first fire lord married the I don't know, daughter of the warlord or oh, something. Maybe, maybe that's how they brokered the peace. Ah. Interesting. I would actually, I would love that. I would love for that wild theory that I have to be right. But I think it would be more poetic if the Fire Lord is actually even more brutal than the Warlord. And we find out that that truce was really just the Fire Lord just killed all the Warlords or something. Mm, Yep. Oh, man, I could see it going either way. Either that, the first Fire Lord is touted as the bringer of peace, Mm -hmm. but he's more vicious and cruel and violent than the Warlord. Yes. Or... The other way around, he really is this beacon of peace and prosperity and justice and all of these things. And then he happens to marry maybe someone from the warlord's line and basically corrupts poisons yeah. the line. It corrupts the line all the way up until Roku's daughter. I think it was daughter, not granddaughter. I don't yeah. remember. Yeah. Roku's I- daughter marries into the royal family and Zuko comes out. Yeah. And then Zuko's like the redemption. Of and the, Iroh of the is line. like that last beacon of the original bloodline. Right. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Oh, oh man. Avatar Studios, um, hope you're listening. I hope you're listening. We, we'd love some backstory here. Mm-hmm. Please don't make us make it up on a secret podcast. Yeah. Because we're <laughs> real close to fleshing this out even more. Exactly. Please turn this from headcanon into canon. Thanks. Please. <laughs> anyway, this knowledge is mind-blowing. And Aang and the others rush back to the capital on Appa. On the way, they try to figure out what they've been seeing if the figures are not the Kamurakage. Their conversation is interrupted when they notice chanting coming from the streets below. They spot a group of men marching through the street with torches and descend. Zuko runs over to Constable Sung and Okano and demands to know what's going on. Okano smugly tells the Fire Lord that his prediction was correct. The spirit world has gotten completely out of control and more children have gone missing, including the constable's son. Sung tells Zuko that when he couldn't find him, they knew they had to do something. So Ukano banded together a safe nation society. Aang questions, very astutely I might add, how Ukano was able to gather so many volunteers on such short notice. But Ukano ignores the question and boasts that the society has already prevented a kidnapping. Aang informs them of the possibility that they're not dealing with spirits, which Ukano immediately dismisses. But Mei, who has been watching her father closely this whole time, accuses him of hiding something. He denies it, but Mei says she can tell he is by the way he's talking. So, what is he hiding? Ukano insists he has no idea what she's talking about, but is obviously unnerved by her question. Spoilers, it's a room full of children. Geez, Greg, we're going to get to that. I just couldn't wait that long. <laughs> what are you hiding? Nothing. Flash forward five minutes. It's a room full of children. That's yeah. what he's hiding. That's a pretty big secret. Yep. I can just picture his mind going there. Immediately. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, I think we're going to get to that like literally in a couple paragraphs. Yeah, I know. It's just, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't help myself. Uh-huh. Zuko empathizes with Sung about losing his child, but tells the constable that all of their actions that evening of enacting a curfew and forming a secret society were done without his permission. For this undermining, the constable will be suspended from his post until further notice. 
Sung is startled, but ultimately apologizes and takes the punishment gracefully. Zuko turns to Okano and orders that he disband the society or face his arrest. Okano is livid. After a long moment of considering his words, he orders his society to leave with him, where, he says, they will stand idly by while their nation suffers under their Fire Lord's rule. Before they leave, Ukano tells Mei to find him when she finally realizes the truth. I was not expecting him to have as much self-control <laughs> as he did in this moment. I thought he was going to explode, but apparently he has a plan because he's like, fine, you win this round. Boys, let's go. There's this controlled anger with uh-huh. Zuko, which we've seen him fairly well composed so far. Like he hasn't really had an outburst. And then we see him yell at Okano being like, you're just banding right now or mm-hmm. you're all arrested. And then you'll face consequences. And Okano, I think, was taken aback because he wasn't expecting that reaction because he's expecting like pushover Zuko. Uh-huh. And this is Zuko kind of like asserting himself. And the townspeople are just going to be like, that's what Ozai would do. I know. God, (laughs) Zuko, you sneezed again the way Ozai did. God, the the way you drink your tea exactly like your father. (laughs) Terrible. Yeah. And even like a moment after this, once they've gone, Aang looks at Zuko and he's like, that was kind of harsh what you did to Sung. Yeah. But Zuko, like we see what he's doing and like why he's doing it. And he's like, well, I hated to do it, but I had to. I had no choice. They literally took to the streets and were like throwing a militia while I was gone. That's like unacceptable. Well, what he's doing too in these moments, because his facial expression softens back to what it has Uh been for quite some time. I think what Zuko is trying to do as a leader is marry the practices of his father and the ideologies of his uncle. Oh, yeah. And get the best of both worlds. So he knows that you have to show strength every once in a while. You have to show force. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. people are just going to, I don't know, form a militia when you go to a (laughs) secret tunnel that leads to a secret chamber somewhere. And you're talking to secret chamber, secret ghosts and secret. (laughs) If you didn't do it, I would have after I I was done talking. So I'm glad you did. So he has to like kind of nip it right like he's been pretty easy going so now he's like all right i see why my dad was mm-hmm. like this here we go and then when he's talking to ang about like how he had no choice it was just reminiscent of iroh for me mm-hmm. yeah i mean even iroh he reacted kind of like one of those snakes where they'll leave you alone until you trap it and then it will lash out he was like that he was very yep. wise and calm and measured and then when he had to become the dragon of the west he became the dragon of the west that's right that's for sure Yeah, you're right. I think Zuko is trying to find his footing and figure out when to show strength, when to show consideration and kind of think about it a little bit more. And I think he's getting better. We're seeing him get better. Agreed, yeah. At that moment when Zuko and Aang are kind of talking about what just happened, the woman whose child was almost kidnapped approaches Zuko and tells him that with all due respect, the safety society just saved her child. That makes them heroes in her eyes, which is more than what she can say for him. May overhears this comment from nearby and adds to it, complaining to Kylo that the way Zuko talked to a man who has just lost his son, he acted like like he's a fire lord, Kylo offered. May relents, saying, yes, but it's also like he has no regard for other people's feelings. Kylo teases her that when she's done complaining about her ex-boyfriend, he'll give her a goodnight kiss. May shrugs it off and apologizes and the two say goodnight, vowing that they'll find out what to do next in the morning. 
But Meg goes up to her room and silently takes out a picture of her and Zuko from when they were dating. She stares at the picture, then at another of her and Tom Tom, then puts the picture of her and Zuko away in a drawer and snaps it shut. I like how much of a voice of reason Kylo is right here. She's like, he's an idiot. He's a jerk. He's ugly. I can't believe he's acting like this. He's just <laughs> acting like, like, he's like, like he's supposed to be acting. Right. Like, like a leader. <laughs> I feel like she was just like, shut up. I don't want to yeah. hear. <laughs> Basically, she yeah. was like, oh, fine. Okay. Yes. Good night. Yeah. Kylo's just such a good guy. Good he's guy, a good Kylo. dude. I yeah. like him. I hope he ends up with someone that's not May. Someone that actually likes him and not uh-huh. likes him because he likes her kind of deal. Oh my God. What about June? No, uh, she's no, no, much no. Hang too on. old for hang him. On. Not June. Not June. What's her name? The girl from the tea shop that Zuko went on a date with as Lee. I thought her name was June. You all know who I'm talking about. I don't the remember her name. The cute girl with the braids or whatever. The girl that Zuko goes on a date with to the Fire Lantern Fountain mm-hmm. when he was Lee. Oh, her, her and Kylo should get together. They'd be super cute. They would be. You're right. I feel like they're just too cool, though. They're too cool for each other. I feel like she has that kind of sassiness that May has. And he has that cool kid street smart thing going on. And I think that they would be a good match. I don't know. I didn't really like it when Zuko was kind of with her all that much. Oh, it was too awkward. He's too angsty. But Kylo's not. I don't know. Maybe. I'm not saying no. I'm saying I feel like there's someone better out there for my man, Kylo. Okay. Well, we also only saw her for an episode, so she could be super cool. That's not true. We saw her in one of the comics, remember? For like a second. Yeah, it's two. It's two. Okay, fine. Two short interactions. That's fair. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, regardless, we hope to see what happens to Kylo. I know that this was a focus of the comic, along with exploring Ukano's cowardliness. Yang and company also wanted to explore Kylo's character and establish him as, he says, a decent fellow worthy of being a real love interest for May. Jin was her name. Jin, that's it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Jin and June, very similar. I know a lot of people were yelling, it's Jin at their phone or car radio or whatever. Thank you, everyone. It came through. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. (laughs) At the palace, Zuko hears a soft voice calling to him as he's passing his mother's in Norin's room. He peeks in and finds Kiki calling for his help from the bed. He finds that she's been seized by Ursa and held captive next to her for her safety. <laughs> it's so cute. Kiki complains that Ursa is holding her too tight and that she's suffocating. Zuko helps her escape and asks if she'd like to sleep in the other room, to which she eagerly agrees. And this is also super cute. Zuko carries his half-sister on his shoulders to her room and tucks her into bed. Along the way, she asks him what he did that day. And he was talking about the problems he's trying to solve and this and that. And don't worry, he'll take care of it. And Kiyi, believing in her brother, who she calls Zuzu as a reminder, says sleepily that she's sure he will. She's rubbing her little eyes. She's got a little smile. She's getting uh-huh. tucked in. She's so cute. Big brother Zuzu, you're mm-hmm. awesome. You're going to figure out everything. I believe in you. So cute. So adorable. What's not so adorable is... A room full of children. (laughs) Shut up, Greg. (laughs) Let me have my dramatic moment. All right, fine. Somewhere in the Fire Nation, a group of children play in an underground room. Warm light bathes a collection of bunk beds and toys and a large red rug. Constable Sung's son, Guri, wakes up on one of the beds calling for his mother. 
He's startled to see that he's not at home and begins crying. Tom Tom approaches him and introduces himself, and another girl tells the crying boy not to be scared. Everyone's moms and dads will be there soon. Guri asks her how she knows this, and she points to the door where a man has just walked through. She tells him that the man is Tom Tom's dad, and if he's here, then the rest of the parents can't be far behind. Ukano tells the children to go to bed because their parents won't come for them until they're asleep. Dun, dun, dun. It's just like every time I try to stick up for this guy, you find out he has an underground room full of children. <laughs> Actually, yeah, we find out he has a room of children that he has oh kidnapped. Did you ever see the movie Running Scared with Paul Walker? I don't think so. Okay, it's a very rated R movie, but there is a married couple that would abduct children and they had this like room full of toys, brightly colored, like very eerie, very creepy. They're just a little too perfect. That's what this reminded me of. I wonder if strangely that was a source of inspiration. I don't think so. Who knows? I would highly doubt it, but I did get that vibe. And it's like a little bit different in here because it's not like a perfect playroom, which is what that was. But just the fact Mm -hmm. that he's got this big steel door that's locking them all in and none of them are particularly scared makes it scarier for me. Yes, that is what impressed itself upon me, too. The fact that they are alone, just kids, no one looking over them, no adults. And they're just playing together in this isolated room and none of them seem scared except for the newcomer, the new kid. Yeah. That was frightening. It's just the trust of children is can be a very like unwavering thing. And Ukano mm-hmm. is just taking advantage of it completely. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, I don't like it. And Tom Tom's okay with it. He runs to greet his father and Ukano tells him something that we get the impression that he's told him a couple times. He does the little niceties like, hi, you know, have you been friends with the other kids and this and that? And Tom Tom says, yes. And then he asks his dad why they have to stay there as Ukano tucks him into bed. And Ukano tells him to be patient. In just a few more days, he and his friends will make the Fire Nation strong and safe again. And by staying there, Tom Tom and the other children are doing their part. Tom Tom asks if the scary ladies who brought him here are his father's friends too. And Ukano says yes, and that they're not so scary once you get to know them. But as children are sometimes, Tom Tom was very perceptive and asks, if that's so, why does his father's voice shake when he talks to them? Ukano doesn't answer this question and finally gets up and says goodnight. A very telling conversation. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> I can't get over it. But in yeah. Ukano? Yeah, in Ukano. It's just like, come on, buddy. I understand you're worried about your family in the Kumarakage. But clearly, their relationship isn't quite as black and white as we thought it was, since they're doing his bidding, essentially, kidnapping children and bringing them to him. So, like, what are you just trying to make Zuko look weak by kidnapping children, which will 110% blow up in your own face? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a weird power dynamic. He's obviously giving orders for certain children to be kidnapped. But then, like Tom Tom pointed out, Ukano is still scared of whoever is doing the kidnapping. It's weird. It is weird. It's one of those toxic bank robber situations that you see in some movies where you have your leader and everyone is really good at what they do, but they're scared of the leader. So they're making some shots, but then yeah. they're also scared of like what's going to happen if they mess up. It, it's that weird criminal dynamic that you sometimes get. Yeah, I think... I'm just more curious to see why the Kamurakage, even though we know they're not spirits, why they're doing things for the person they're threatening. Exactly. 
Yep. And I'm sure that that's going to be a big part of the third issue. I hope so. I would very much like that answer. Yeah. Because <laughs> we don't have much left. We yeah. hop back over to the palace where we find Suki reporting to Zuko and telling him that the Kyoshi warriors have finished their nightly rounds. Everything is secure. Everything's good. Zuko thanks her. And when she asks him if he'd like some company, he agrees. Suki tells Zuko that she's sure he'll find Tom Tom. And Zuko replies that it's not just about finding him. That little boy has been through so much since Omashu, the last time he was kidnapped. And Zuko wonders if Tom Tom will ever be as happy as he was again after this ordeal. He recounts this really nice memory of him and May taking Tom Tom on a picnic and Tom Tom chasing a moth around and just being so exuberantly, vibrantly happy in a way that Zuko can't remember being since he was a kid. So he's worrying this is going to negatively impact Tom Tom and he's just not going to be a normal kid afterwards. But just then, he notices a strange thin smoke emitting from Kiyi's bedroom window. His eyes go wide and he rushes with Suki to her room. Aang meets them there and they find the bed empty. So they look out the window and find the Kamurakage on the roof, retreating in billowing smoke with Kiyi in their arms. The friends leap after them and begin fighting, but it's too difficult for Suki to do her chi blocking and the Kamurakage are tossing Kiyi from person to person to keep her away from Aang and Zuko. And then Tai Lee joins them and just as the thick cloud of smoke engulfs them and it appears that the Kamurakage will get away while they're stuck in a coughing fit, Aang uses airbending to blow the smoke away and they're able to spot the Kamurakage fleeing along the rooftops. Zuko releases a fire blast that knocks one of them off balance and the figure tumbles from the roof and lands hard on the stone ground below. Zuko, Aang, and the Kyoshi warriors approach the figure and demand to know where they took Kii. The figure doesn't answer. It struggles to get up and at that moment makes a familiar hand gesture. With one swift movement, lightning crackles from the figure's fingertips and Zuko understands who is behind the mask. It's none other than Azula. Perfectly manicured fingertips. I might Agreed. Add. Yes. As <laughs> usual. Yeah. As soon as he said Azula, it was like, I know what I said in episode one or episode one of this book and how I wanted imbalance to be her big reveal and all about it, but I'm not mad about this. Right? I had that thought. I remembered what you said, actually. Yeah. And I was like, I, I want to know what Greg thinks about this reveal. I'm not angry with this. Uh-huh. It makes sense because Tylee was trying to do the chi blocking and she couldn't. It's almost as if her childhood friend was cloaked in the Kamurakage disguise and knew all of her moves before she did uh -huh. them. She's been watching her this whole time. Yep. It's a good move. Now I'm wondering who's with her, though, because Azula has so often been acting alone. She has her plans and she gets people to work for her and she has her Tylee and, and May henchmen until they all broke apart. So I don't think this is Tylee, but I got to wonder who's the rest of the Kamurakage group? Who's under those masks? That's a good question. I don't know. I couldn't even guess at this point because... She's so separated from everyone that she knows. Maybe radicals from New Ozai society that are just like more, they're actual benders or they're more skilled in fighting. Mm -hmm. That would make the most sense. I'm wondering if they're going to turn those people into actual characters in the third issue. Kind of similar like we were seeing with the Rough Rhinos. We had some newcomers and we actually got to see more of their personalities and got an introduction to them as they were fighting and interacting with Aang and team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
we'll have to find out. We'll have to see. But that is the end of issue number two of Smoke and Shadow. Oh, wait. Theory. Yes. It's Lee and Lowe. Oh, my God. <laughs> Because they're not bending. They're not totally bending. And there's be. two of them. And there's two. Of them. Oh my God. <laughs> they too had an IRO montage scene of working out in oh a jail cell. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that is my new headcanon until we're proven otherwise. Uh, yes. Yes. Agreed. Fantastic. Oh my gosh. Well, who was your MVP of this issue, Greg? I'll tell you who it's not. It's not a condo and it was a room full of children. Don't tell you that much. I know. Yeah. I think it's probably Kylo for me. I was going to say the same thing. He's just a good dude. He's a good dude. He's sticking by May's side. I have a feeling he knows that he likes her more than she likes him. Mm -hmm. It's just no way. I don't think it bothers him much because, you know, he's kind of like he wants to be with her and he's kind of getting what he wants. So mm-hmm. he can kind of push any of those feelings aside if he even has those feelings in terms of like if it bothers him or not. Yeah. He's a great emotional support for May. Like he's always just there for her and he sets her straight at least once towards the end there in terms of being like, hey, like Zuko's kind of just doing his job. Give him a break. <laughs> like he, mm-hmm. he's fine. And I feel like a lot of people don't do that to me. Yeah. So for me, it's Kylo. Yeah. My runner-up is also Zuko because like we were talking about, he has grown so much and he is doing such a good job being Fire Lord, even though townspeople don't see that and they're like, why aren't you saving children like the secret safety society? But he's really trying to, like we were saying, kind of bridge the gap between the way his father was Fire Lord and the lessons and important truths that Iroh has passed on to him. So he's doing a good job. He's really trying. But yeah, Kylo, man, it takes a very unique person to hang out with your girlfriend's ex-boyfriend, who's also the leader of your country, who also hangs out with the Avatar with as much grace and finesse as Kylo is. Mm-hmm. Like he's not jealous. He's not acting out. He's being reasonable and supportive. And like you said, an emotional support for May and just accepting everything. And the only jab he gave that whole time was like, okay, when you're done talking about your ex boyfriend, I'll kiss you goodnight. Yeah. As like a gentle reminder, that's just a good dude. Yep. A little passive aggressive, but still good. Only slightly in a only teasing slightly. way. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, so I think that's just really impressive. Mm. What about the moral of the issue? This might be a little on the nose, I think, and it's definitely trite. Okay. People are just scarier than ghosts. Aw, I like that, though. Twas man that was the beast. No, wait, that's not how that... You know what I mean. Yeah, it's like (laughs) man is the real monster in here. We have spirits that are kidnapping people. Turns out they're people. Turns out that the ghosts that are people are actually working for a person who is gaining the trust of the people with an angry mob. It's just like, Mm -hmm. it's not a good evil plan, but it's a big evil plan. And it's about as bad as you're going to get for the Avatar universe, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great one. That's a good reminder, too, because it's interesting after so many issues where we're exploring spirits and seeing more of the spirit world, because as we've established... At the time, the team was working on Korra and spirits play a big part of that animated series. So we're seeing more spirits in the comics. It's interesting to go from that to spirits are the topic, but the characters are all human. Mm. And all the actions that are being done by these supposed spirits 
are actually terrible things that people are doing to other people. Yeah. Runner up. If you see an angry mob, a brand new angry mob, just form out of nowhere. They're not a brand new angry mob. <laughs> That's a good reminder. Yeah. Where'd you get all these volunteers? That's not important. Anyway. The youth center. <laughs> Everyone was having tea. I don't know what to tell you. They just wanted to come help. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 No, I really enjoyed this comic and this issue and seeing how the story is unfolding. I gasped when I saw Azula at the end. Me too. Was not expecting that. Had absolutely no idea. Figured this was just going to be more new Ozai members or something behind the mask. But mm-hmm. wow, I cannot wait to see what kind of interactions we get from here with Azula. I know. Yeah. But that is it for today. That is it for the episode. We hope you all enjoyed it. As always, if you want to give us any feedback or kudos or thoughts, you can leave us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts, which we will read here on the episode. You can also write us an email at avatarthepodcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at Podcast Avatar. Yes. And if you're caught up on all of the episodes, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but a little gentle reminder that I am live on Monday and Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're doing a new bit, I guess, a new a new little segment called, well, I might think what it's called. You have to show up to find out. But essentially, you vote for a demo for me to play and we play it together and we talk about it a little bit afterwards before we jump into the main event, which is the game that we're playing in the middle of. So join me, twitch.tv slash Booster Greg, 8 p.m. Monday, Friday evenings, Eastern time. It's, uh, it's great. So many people have joined us from the community. I'm going to name four. And there's more than four that show up, but everyone else isn't allowed to get mad. That's my deal <laughs> with everyone. And if you get mad, yell at me at twitch.tv slash Booster Greg. We've had Condition Gamer. We've, we've had Singa. We've had Tina Bina. We've had Rock Creek Kings. I think that's three or four. I don't know. Just yell at me on twitch.tv slash Booster Greg. 8 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. And remember, Greg gets all flustered when he sees that first time chatter notification. So if you haven't been by, stop on by. Tell him you're from the podcast and watch him get red. You just literally watch me stumble all my words. And then if you hit the follow <laughs> button, it just gets worse from there. So it's fun. I <laughs> promise. Go. It's fun. <laughs> go poke the bear. Yes. <laughs> oh, and you can find me online at Acorn Bandit or at Joysons.com. We mentioned this in a previous episode, but the shop on Etsy and technically on the website is down for some short vacation time as we take another look at our stock and our new designs and figure out where we're going to go from here. So hang tight. You can go see some of the information and some of the designs that we have up there. But otherwise, you can find me online at Acorn Bandit. And from here, coming up next time... It shouldn't be a surprise, but it's going to be part three of Smoke and Shadow, which I'm excited for. It's a room full of children. (laughs) And Azula's lightning fingers. Yes. Oh, that sounds terrible. (laughs) All this and more next time on Avatar Avatar, the the Podcast. Podcast. Avatar the Podcast is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our other podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com.